Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hello, sweetheart. Yes. And there's so many people who have told me today was just a totally messed up day. One of those, one of those messed up days, like the cleaning help was supposed to come today, but evidently um, they got their days mixed up and said they're coming in tomorrow. The um, woman I work with, my coworker, had to go down to motor vehicles only to be told, no, that they're not taking any more people today. So it's like, I think, I think today was National Messed Up Day. But anyway, I was thinking about a good topic tonight. And that is, I was thinking back in my childhood about songs that um, I used to listen to as a child, like children's songs. And I think back to them and I go, oh my gosh, you would never, ever, have your kids listen to some of these songs in this day and age. So this topic, I think of this week, should be songs, childhood songs that you would never want to tell your kids or sing okay. for your kids. Okay. What's what now, one, Which one comes okay. to mind? Okay. Here's what happened. What, um, years ago, there was a guy on the radio, and he also made these 45 LPs for children. He called himself Uncle Don. And I don't know, he, he made, he became very famous because of a huge blooper that he made on the radio. I don't know if it was, I think it might've been the forties. And he used to do a children's program where he used to sing um, American folk, sing, folk songs for children. Yeah. And then after the program was over, he said to the producers were off and he thought that they were off the air. And he says, well, that all will hold the little, uh, you know what, for this week. Oh wow! Yeah, and it went over the air. In fact, it's you can it, you probably could see a video of it on YouTube. So anyway, my mother had all these Uncle Don records for me, mm-hmm. and <laughs> some of those. Oh, songs. wait a second! Wait a second! Yes. I found it! I found it! Uh huh. Uh-huh. Hold on. I can't. We can't have too much dead time. Yeah, no, it's, sorry. It's against, FC, it's against FCC rules. I learned that from friends of mine who went into radio. You can't have more than maybe, I think, two minutes dead time. Or you could be fined by FCC. That's why if, if there's ever a problem with your audio on the radio, they have to put on the promo or something. They put a song or a promo. They got to put something on. Oh, you can't wow. can't have two, two minutes of dead time. Oh, so no, I was, I, I guess I was being too, uh, too, too upset i was just getting i was looking at the um i found i found uh the what's it called the blooper i, I found the blooper i found the blooper from uncle don <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god i i see it right now oh, it's hilarious it is absolutely hilarious okay all right so continue okay so anyway here's one of the songs that he had that i remember from a kid was when i was young i used to wait on Massa and hand him his plate and pass oh, the no, bottle. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me finish. And pass the bottle <laughs> uh, when he no, got dry. We're not going to finish. Like listening to these lyrics, I pass the bottle when he got dry. Come on. And brush away the blue tail fly. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. My Massa's going away. One day he ride around the farm. Deep flies so numerous they did okay, we're, 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 we, yep. I don't think we can do that. I literally don't think we can do these songs anymore. 
you, okay. might, you might have to move no, on to the next here. one. Yeah, but yes, this was please. a kid. Would you believe I was listening to this as like a five-year-old kid? No, I heard these songs also when I was yeah. a kid. I just think nowadays uh-huh. it's just the temperament is just is not it's not cut out for it. It's just, it's like people, people will take it the wrong way, get offended and then go nuts. That's the biggest problem. Cause the, I mean, yes, these are old outdated songs that talk about, you know, slavery and things like that in, in a joyful way, which, you know, it, it lightens <laughs> the, the situation that shouldn't have been lightened. Yeah. But the, but the good part about it is that the massacre gets killed. Oh. <laughs> Don't you know? It's the flies in the state this one. One chance to bite him on the thigh. The devil take the blue tail fly. And then the horse he run, he jump, he pitch. He throw my master in the ditch. He died and the jury wondered why. The verdict was the blue tail fly. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And then there was uh, um there was a song about um oh there was a song about uh Casey Jones. Casey Jones, who was that? Yeah, he was the famous um, train engineer who uh, there was a lot of, about him was legendary. Um, he was supposed to be a very, very excellent engineer. He got he got killed at some sort of like train accident, train derailment. But he was known for um, evidently he was uh, he was known for for being a very good engineer and for um, he saved a few people. He um, it was an incident where a little boy fell on the tracks and he was actually able to run and grab the kid off the tracks. He, um, like I said, so um, one of the songs was about Casey Jones. It was Casey Jones mounting to the cabin. Casey Jones with the orders in his hand. Casey Jones mounted to the cabin and he took his farewell trip to the promised land. <laughs> I mean, it talks about the incident where he got killed uh, during, during this uh, train accident. I mean, this was a kid's song. Oh wow! Yeah, Casey, Casey Jones getting killed. Well, I mean, you, you have songs like um, like uh, "Ring Around the Rosie" was talking about the the bubonic plague. That's something that's very yeah. common, most people know. I guess what it is is again, it, it makes light of dire situations. That's kind of what kids, a lot of kids' songs seem to be. You know, if you, if you really think about it, London Bridge is falling down. Here comes a hatchet to chop up your head. Take the key and lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. Yeah. So what, what, what other songs do you have that we can possibly talk about? <laughs> well, I remember my father used to sing to me a lot of Stephen Foster songs. And um, I didn't realize it at the time, but there's um, the one, All the Sun Shines Bright on My Old Kentucky Home. It's summer. And the next line goes, the darkies are gay. And I thought, Darkies were referring to birds, like you know, like blackbirds. And I realized years later, no, that's what they used to call black people in the South years ago, darkies. Yeah. And yeah. Stephen Forrest Foster does that a lot in his music. But after all, he, he was he was living in the you know in the South in the 1850s. So um, when we were in school, we actually in sixth grade, we actually sang Stephen Foster's songs. Wow. And the music teacher, um, also taught us, um, we also read the biography of Stephen Foster. First of all, he was an alcoholic. Yeah. And he um, he died when during, one time he was, when he was very drunk, he accidentally fell on a piece of glass and got a very bad cut on his throat near the juggler vein. Oh, wow. And he died in the hospital. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, we studied that in sixth grade. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I learned, I read, um, I think it's called The Ultimate Game. The, I think it's called The Ultimate Game or The Greatest Game. Uh, it, it was about a man who hunts another man. And I learned, oh, I yes. read that. I read that book when I was in like sixth grade, I think. Yes, I, I was in sixth grade too. Scholastic, Scholastic magazines published that in their magazine as as literature. Evidently, it's a classic. It is. I forgot who I, who wrote it. Do you remember who wrote it? Oh, but I remember that about he, the man is he stranded on an island. He finally finds um, a man with a house on this island that's willing to you know feed him and give him shelter. And then he finds out that this man is a crazy psychopath who um who when he has guests there he challenges them to like you said the ultimate hunt where once they're well enough they have to go out in the woods and they he hunts them they have a choice he either finds them and hunts them and kills them or if they can make it back to the house they're safe and at the end of the story the man makes it back to the house and the man, the psychopath who owns the house, congratulates him on winning the challenge. And he says to him, wait a minute. He says, it's not over. I still am a man hunted. So the, um, so the psychopathic man owner, house owner says, okay. He says, you and I will have one final battle together. And one of us will sleep in this nice, comfortable bed in my room or the other one, or will be buried in my backyard. And then the story cuts there. And then the last line, the next line is, I've got the man's name, Tim, John, whatever, you know, the guy who was being hunted. As John snuggled down in the bed, he thought to himself, this is the most comfortable bed he ever slept in. Yeah, it's called The Most Dangerous Game. Uh Uh-huh. Who wrote it? Uh, The Most Dangerous Game was written, it was published as the hounds of zaroff it's a short story uh, by richard connell uh-huh so yeah yeah I, I read that also and it's like i th- i think it's i don't know I, as a sixth grader i loved it i thought it was a really interesting storyline yeah so um, did i but it's just it's like everyone wants to protect everybody nowadays it's like i remember reading goosebumps as a kid and everyone freaking out about it goosebumps is i think goosebumps is kind of like uh Innocent. I mean, I read, I remember reading Goosebumps to you kids when you guys were like, you know, maybe fifth, sixth grade, maybe fourth, fourth, you know, around there, you know, upper elementary, lower, you know, middle, middle school. And my favorite Goosebumps was the Cuckoo Clock of Doom. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite. The one with the guy who had the obnoxious little sister that was always getting him in trouble. Yeah, and then in the end, he like gets rid of her by like switching the clocks or something like that, or preventing him from having a little sister. The the the, the trope. R.L. Stein had the same trope. Either you were either a younger brother or sister, or an older brother and sister. You had a bratty older sibling or a young, bratty younger sibling, and you go on an adventure, and then there's always a twist at the end of like yes. whether you really did you really escape from the the horror but do you yeah. not remember people freaking out about it or getting upset about it because i do i remember as a kid no. reading it, people getting really? very upset yeah people um were very never, upset with it i never i never came across any parents or anybody 
what why well, your, your sisters were never upset about it. were you upset by no, it no I, it was, I was never, that's not what it was it was that yeah. people people had issues with it people had well, people had issues with it well they um, also they put it, it on television for tro- yeah they said it was too scary they for children yeah i know your sisters were fine with it i was fine with it um no, Tati didn't like it though. Tati didn't like it. The, he, he felt yeah. it was too gruesome. He didn't like the pictures and whatnot. Hmm. And I was, I was, I was um, fine with. It. I'm trying to think what was about the um, about the whole series. Um, there was um, what, what I think was so made it so popular was R.L. Stein was really able to get into the mind of the average 12 year old. Because when kids are 12 years old, when you're that age, you're, you're breaking into your teenage years. So your, your thoughts are becoming more adult, but you're still a kid. And a lot of 12 year olds are misunderstood. I mean, as 12 year olds, let's face it, as young teenagers, there are plenty of times when we were bullied by kids, maybe bullied by an abusive teacher, um, maybe misunderstood, maybe we were wrongly accused of something. And a lot of kids in his books, you know, are, are wrongly accused of something. And we were, as young, as young people, like 12, 13, when you're in a situation like that, a lot of times you don't know what to say. And you know, you know you're being unjustifiably accused. Yeah. But somehow at, you don't have the mental or verbal skills yet of a more mature person where you really can effectively speak up for yourself. And so in a way, a lot of 12 and 13 year olds feel, or 11, 11, 12, you know, those preteen years, a lot of kids feel very, very trapped. And in a certain respects in our society, they really are. I mean, I'm sure you remember at that age being accused of things and trying to justify yourself or not being able to quite find the exact words or the exact thoughts to be able to convince whoever the powers that be that, hey, that, you know, that you're being wrongly accused. This is really is not your fault, yada, yada. And yeah, know, no, it's just it's, not being able to find to find the correct words to convince them. It was very relatable. I think Goosebumps, that's that's that was their style that that they made it very relatable to, to young adults, because it's like you have obviously like frustrations at home, frustrations at school. Um, and just being a trapped child that not being able to go ahead and express themselves is very frustrating, mm-hmm. very nerving. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember I had, um, when I was 12 years old, I had this um, orchestra teacher, violin teacher. I was in the, you know, in the orchestra and in school. And I got the feeling he was like always on my case. And after months and months of taking it, not speaking up, I finally decided, you know, I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to confront him in a polite, in a polite way, but I'm going to confront him. And I, th- I think I think back to it. I said, you know, that was quite a very mature, brave thing for a 12 year old kid to do. And I walked over to him after orchestra rehearsal, and I said to him, "Excuse me, Mister, you know, such and such. Can I please talk to you a moment?" Yes, I said to him, "I get the feeling that you're being too harsh on me." that you're, you know, basically, uh, I forgot what words I put it, but I presented it to him saying that I felt that I was being unjustifiably like singled out by him. And he was like, I could tell that he was kind of impressed that about the way I, you know, very politely, but 
firmly spoke up to him. And he smiled at me and he said, well, he says, it's not that. It's just that I think you can work harder. And he gave me like a pat on the, like a pat on the shoulder. Yeah. Like, you know, like a Yashikov type thing. And then after that, he was a little, you know, he was a little more polite to me after that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I, I looked up and yeah. So in the nineties, Goosebumps, a lot of Goosebump books, like parents didn't like it. They felt that it was too scary for children. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly, let's put it this way: no scarier than what a lot of kids face at home every day. Yeah, it's <laughs> school. I think kid, I think parents I think obviously love their children and want to protect them, and they just try too hard. You know, it's just that's always the the issue. Well, it gets me about how you know, like on one hand, you see this all the time, like people wanting to protect or whatever. And then on the other hand, they do something which is a lot worse than that than their kid reading that stupid little book or whatever. Yeah, that's why it's I best mean, to I, do a hands-off. I mean, I've, I've, seen, I've seen situations like this. Like this one parent called me up one time because your sisters were reading the Sweet Valley Twins Oh, um, yes, series. I remember those. And, and they, they, there's nothing wrong with them at all. And he goes... Ooh, he says, how can you, you're letting your kids read the Sweet Valley Twins, you know, series. How can you let them do that? And I said, there's really nothing wrong with them. I found out later behind his back, this is what his kids were doing. What? They were watching porno. So everybody does that. I mean, I would think it'd be <laughs> funny. It's just, it's like, ah, kids get, kids, young adults get exposed to it. They just, that's the thing that you yeah. hide from your parents. Um, yeah, but it's just. But remember I told you about like how shocked my class was in first grade. We were discussing breakfast and I mentioned about my mother giving me coffee. Of course, it was coffee oh, yeah. with milk, but and how the teacher and all the kids, <gasps> you know, like, oh, my goodness, worse than me. I thought to myself, I bet those same kids and the teacher that was so horrified at me drinking coffee were probably drinking Coca-Cola at the time, which had traces of cocaine in it. Actually, when, when did Coca-Cola stop having traces of cocaine? I think That's they stopped. Question. I don't know. I think they, they, that was a while ago. When, it was. I think, I think it had to be during this. Maybe I'm going to take a guess. 70s, probably. I don't think 70s. You don't think 70s? Before, you think before the 70s? Um, it, was, it, it was taken out of the drink in 1929. What? Yeah. Are you kidding me? I thought it was much later. No, 1929. Oh, my gosh. All this time. Oh my gosh. And here I thought, oh well. Here you thought. Oh. I mean, they probably were smoking cigarettes in front of their kids and getting secondhand smoke <laughs> and whatnot. So that, <laughs> that's that's the other issue. Oh, do you remember um, that old, we had like these old magazines from the 50s. And do you remember the advertisement for um, the cigarettes? Showing yeah. The, it, showed, it showed a mother like with a baby and the baby's crying and the mother's all stressed out and it's a stressed out and it says, take a cigarette break. And then it shows the mother holding the baby and the mother's smoking a cigarette and the baby sleeping in her arms. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I remember reading, I remember actually looking at advertising in the seventies talking about how nutritional uh, sugar is for you. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'll tell you though, I would prefer I see people like, you know, avoiding sugar, but yet, um, uh, yet um, like totally drowning their drinks in these artificial sweeteners, 
which have been linked to all sorts of, which, have, which is suspected of being linked to all sorts of diseases. I would rather, I'll tell you the truth, I would rather take sugar than these artificial sweeteners. Uh, I, I just try to avoid both of them, to be honest. That's what I try to do. I don't put sugar in my coffee. I try not to do anything like that, you know? Um, but yeah, okay, we're out of time. Thank you so much, Ima. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, my sweetness. Mm, have a good Shabbos, darling. You too, have a good Shabbos. Love you. And, and, and I was able to do the podcast totally sober tonight. Yes, good for you, Ima. I'm proud of you. Yes. Yes, excellent. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Causes Mother episode. Please like and subscribe our Facebook group at Jewish Boy Causes Mother podcast and check out our YouTube channel, Jewish Boy Causes Mother. I know you'd like it and my mother would appreciate it too.